and welcome to CFCP's On Air. CFCPs on air. The podcast looks at migrant and culturally diverse artists and how we can effectively showcase and further develop their talents. On air also discusses what interculturalism and migration means in a global context and how arts and culture can help in breaking down and highlighting these intolerances. Welcome to this session of CSCP's On Air, where we talk to visual artists Tag Beckett and Roxana Manucheri about their video about Spread Love Like Marmalade, identity and Irishness. Okay, so I'd just like to start by saying thank you very much indeed for coming along this evening and for this session of the New Voices of Ireland CFCP On Air. I'd just like to ask you both Tag and Roxana, the collaboration that you guys did, it was appeared as one particular film. What was the basis behind it? Uh, how did you come about that particular collaboration model? Do you want to start, Roxana? Okay, I, I speak maybe a few minutes and then you keep going. I, um, I think, um, yeah, first of all, like... Um, we got paired by Monica, so we didn't know each other, basically. And uh, so we started to chat uh, by email and uh, WhatsApp. And then we were lucky between two lockdowns. Um, I don't remember what month was exactly, but uh, we could travel and we could meet each other. So um, I came to my studio in Mount Square. So I have a studio there. And then we, uh, uh, we had a chance to sit down and talk. And he saw my studio and he showed me some of his work on his phone. Uh, and then I find out he's really good at making videos. Basically, uh, he can explain better but for music and uh, very good at editing and doing things. And uh, then we have decided to do something a little bit different, like a kind of opening our studio doors to um, viewers and um, so uh, the process of making art and making art and why we are doing it, um, why we make art and what do we want to say by making art. So that was the start point. And then after that, it was just exchanging videos and uh, chatting and I started to film myself when I was working in the studio and writing down uh, what was in my head and sending them to tag. Um, that's how it started and uh, we worked. So if you want to add anything, go ahead. I just think, um, I think it was a really interesting time because I'd never, um, 
I'd never edited a movie before. Like just around the time that we had met, I just happened to make a music video for a friend. So I just like learned all these different things and learned all these different, um, you know, kind of techniques. And I was just getting really used to, to kind of editing stuff. So it was like a really happy, uh, a really, uh, you know, really good time that we decided to kind of make it, make a, make a little video. But just like regarding the video itself, I wanted it to be kind of, um, yeah, like I think there's a reason why like most, you know, kind of like pop songs and most like music videos and most kind of stuff, you know, it's like three and a half minutes, you know, or, you know, kind of short. So I wanted to, I think, I think originally it was supposed to be like half an hour. And I like the idea of making something just kind of like short and in, kind of more impactful. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I mean, this notion of the, the 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 music video, if you want, really comes through in the work that you did. And in some respects, some people try to cram, if you had 30 minutes, would try and cram 29 minutes and 59 seconds worth of material into it. Uh, I think it was interesting the way that you did it within the regards to sort of just under 10 minutes. And yet everybody who's seen the video has an understanding as to what your perception of art is and mm. the way that you actually make it. Fantastic. Um, which is something I'd like to sort of to touch on this, this idea of why I make, I mean, why do you make, what, what is the, the, the raison d'etre behind it? If you like, <clears throat> I don't think, I, I don't think it's, um, yeah, it's a weird one because obviously, I, it, obviously, the, the piece was called "Why I Make," but but like it's it's like I feel like I'm I'm I feel like it's kind of nearly nothing to do with me. This is just what I what I do and what I what I sort of have to do, you know. Um, like I've tried to like I I ran a restaurant with a friend a few years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I've I, I've I've done various different stuff. I was door to door salesman for a while. I am. Um, yeah, I've worked in loads of bars and restaurants and done, I've done lots of different jobs, you know, but, but it just sort of, I don't know, like I die for art, you know? Um, like I see, I see great value in, in the kind of creative, you know, kind of collective consciousness, you know, like pushing, pushing something further, you know, and it's, it might not be very clear what that thing is. But but you know we're we're all trying to push something further you know and that really appeals to me. Mm-hmm. And Roxana, well, um, I I my story is slightly different because I never did any other job <laughs> apart from <laughs> art really. <laughs> Even when I don't have money, I don't know what else to do. Like I, that's the only thing I can do. Uh, I studied mathematics actually before I. Uh, study art in Iran so I was studying math uh, applied math and I went to university to study that but I was good at art but I was thinking it's not a job it's something like you know the parents say okay she's talented to do art and drawing and stuff but then I changed my field and I started to study art and I'm very glad I did that and um I don't know what else to do, really. It's like uh, I, it's even 
like today, for example, it's a holiday, but I went to my studio. Like I, I go to my studio every day to do something. Sometimes I just sit down and think and look at my work. Sometimes I don't like them. Sometimes I like them. So, um, and um, it's very meditative as well. So I have my quiet, my box for myself and I can do whatever I want to. It's like uh, I'm my own boss. I do whatever I like to. And then if there is an exhibition or anything I do and I teach. So I teach art. So um, if I want to say as a job, yes, I'm a teacher. I started teaching at age 17. So, um, yeah, and I, yeah, that's my life, I would say. So it's always been something that's been there that's if you like your your get out of jail card has been turning to to art um yeah. in, in that respect i mean you know it's why you make it but twisting that slightly if you look at it and think about the other side of it the fact that you make it what do you want audiences to engage with um do you want them to see why i make it or do you want them to feel something that's as to why i view it if you like um and it's it's an interesting question because sometimes i have for sure all of us we have i mean artists we have something in our head when we start we want to say something but sometimes it's not that clear and it happened to me when i talk to an art critic or a writer they bring out what is in my head and I cannot say it perfectly. I just do it. But then when I talk to somebody who is into philosophy or psychology or, you know, art critics, they they really, when they speak, I say, yes, yes, that's what I wanted to say. You know what I mean? It's uh, definitely there are many things we want to say, but uh, the reason we are doing it is because we cannot talk about it really well or... Um, we are not writers, or maybe we are. Maybe some of us are. Maybe targets, but I'm not. So um, it's just I bring all my emotions, feelings, what I think about the world, everything in that piece of painting. But uh, then when I talk to people, I understand my work much better. Even like a normal viewer, not an art critic, somebody walks into my exhibition and says something. Does it mean that? And I think about it, and maybe yeah, actually. You know, it's very interesting, the interaction between me as an artist and my work and anybody who sees my art and try to explain it the way they see it. So that's a very interesting part of it. It happens in exhibitions or whenever, wherever I show it. Mm -hmm. And Tag, your feelings on the same? Uh, well, yeah. I I think I'm kind of like it's like I'm kind of creating a kind of a, a creative kind of a creative kind of landscape, you know. Like I'm, it's like just kind of like I'm creating kind of a story, and cer certain things have bigger roles in that story, you know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does because I mean, in part of your biography from reading it, it was like it's, you're saying that you you don't take art seriously, and I, I'm not for one second saying you that you're not the art isn't serious, but it's this yes. sort of the medium itself, and um, therefore that injects a different reaction from the viewer, if you want, than say yeah, I, I, uh, I, a more serious notion. So yeah, I think what I said was not to take life too seriously. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, 
which I think, which I think, I think is slightly different because I think art is probably the only thing I take seriously, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think, yeah, I think it's important to. Um, I think play is very important, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, I think, um, I just especially like nowadays, people are very serious about stuff and. You know, people will get on Twitter and kind of, you know, bash somebody that they don't really know over something they don't really know about. And it's this sort of vacuous kind of like just echo chamber of just kind of negativity, which I'm not really sort of into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, have you missed this sort of physical connection with people that we've had over the last almost 12 months now? I know you two said you did manage to get together once, but um, it's been almost a virtual existence ever since and obviously you need an artist as an artist you need an audience to to feed off in some respects and without that physical audience that you can be tangible with how how have you found that have you found that difficult or have you found that constructive in some respects yeah well i i like like yeah strangely enough last year was the busiest i ever was in sort of like sales wise and kind of like getting myself out there which has been really interesting but in regard to kind of talking to people, I, I think like in a way it's kind of good that there's been a bit of, you know, you know, like I can just kind of go into my studio and work on what I'm working on. And there's no kind of, there's not as much maybe pressure to get stuff, you know, kind of done or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roxana? Um, uh, I find it difficult actually for, because I, I, I had at least one solo exhibition every year. And uh, now my last solo show was uh, 2019. Um, and um, I, I had a show in New York during the lockdown uh, with three other people in Highline 9 Gallery. And I couldn't go there. So I had tickets to go there, but they cancelled it because of COVID. So I had to stay here. It was very sad because I I was looking forward to that show. That was very important for me. I couldn't go. I don't know what happened. My works are still there. And then after that, I started to work with an online gallery in London, Mm -hmm. uh, which name is Blue Rhino. And um, I have an exhibition and they made this 3D effect gallery, but it's not the same. Um, The only good thing is like... um, in that 3D opening we had, um, I sat down on my computer and I, I had to look at every artist's work and we chat and it was a little bit deeper because usually in physical openings we just say hello and everybody has a drink and it's just more like a party. But in that Zoom meeting, it was seriously about art. Mm-hmm. And, you know, questions and answers and things like what we did with Monica. That's the interesting part of it. We go a little bit deeper into what's happening um, in the artist's work or um, we get to know each other a little bit better, I think. That's the only positive thing mm-hmm. uh, online, virtual. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you, you say that because that was one thing we found during the whole New Voices series was, as you say, normally you go to an opening, it's a, 
a transient group of people who come in on a regular basis. They would look at the, the works, they would have a drink. Um, they might discuss it with the people that they're there with, which might be one or two, maybe with the artist. But here you had anything from, I think, 24 people up to about 50 people on a Zoom call um, and taking it very seriously. The artist, in some respects, was the same level as the audience. Um, there was no hierarchy as such, because depending on which way you were watching on Zoom, uh, the viewer or the the, the the person who was speaking could be in the middle of the screen, could be on the view screen. Uh, and so there was no hierarchy. And it, it made people concentrate more. It was a shared um event if you want rather than say this transient one-off where people do interact or don't interact and i think the questions that came up from it were a lot more prevalent than the ones you would probably just get in a, in a normal opening and that's something i think how we can keep that going sort of on a, an ongoing basis um definitely but- yeah, it's it's been, I suppose, a year of trial and there wasn't a manual for COVID. Um, there wasn't a manual for a, a global pandemic. And so we've been sort of trying to learn as as we go along. CFCP's On Air, the podcast that discusses what interculturalism and migration mean in the global context and how arts and culture can help in breaking down and highlighting these intolerances.
techs uh, yourselves. I mean, tech, could you sort of briefly describe what your works mean, what they show? Because to me, they do elicit this idea of colour, um, mm. fun, if you want, but there's a seriousness in there as well. I mean, with things like Stay Safe, um, it's there's, there is a seriousness to that. There's a huge play on colour with it. Um, could you just describe that a bit more for us? Well, I think it's, it's like basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say, talk about something very serious. So like I could be talking about like suicide or, you know, loss or, you know, like a relationship breaking down or, you know, whatever. Well, packaging it in a kind of a bright, you know, big bow, you know, just so it's easier to, to digest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and the methods you use sort of they're slightly different. Um, certainly, looking at the video, I mean, from yeah, <laughs> from the idea of using just traditional it's, it's, brushes. It's not different for me. <laughs> no, <laughs> for me, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and how much do you think your audience gets about the different techniques that you use? Uh, do you actually describe that to them when they're purchasing or viewing the pictures, or is it something you leave up to their own imagination more? Uh, well, I, I, I. I... I, I, in a number of works, I, I, I've written the exact number of days that I've been on, uh, that have been alive when the painting was made. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there might be like a skull or, or something and underneath it will have like, you know, 12,447, you know, and uh, people won't know what the number represents until, you know, until I'm asked about it or it's prodded a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to leave people guessing maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're they're buying it then for the artistic quality in the way that it's it actually appeals to yeah. them, rather than oh, the fact that he's spent X amount of time on it or he's used this particular it, technique on it. Like, like I'd be very open about discussing anything about you know whatever, but I think I think it's it's not good to it's not good to give you know to kind of feed everyone everything from the get go, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Roxana. And so in my case, like I usually work on projects for two or three years and then I finish, I exhibit, I move to the next project. But um, if I want to talk about my recent project, which started maybe 2017, its name was Chaos. So uh, because I lived in different countries, I'm from Iran originally, and then I moved to South Korea three years there, and then I lived in Barcelona, and then I was in Finland for a while, and uh, from 2009, Ireland. So I get inspiration a lot from the environment I live in, and because of my personal um, interest to old manuscripts and old stuff, whatever, antique. Like I, I really dig in into old books and stuff. So that's, you can see in all the projects I do. And then I add something contemporary to it. And I'm very into material on its own. Like, I mean, painting material or paper for example, rice paper, different kind of Japanese rice paper. I try to fix them on canvas and do things. And this layering is something you see. And I think it's me. I have different layers. You know, uh, growing up in an Islamic country from an atheist family, all these layers within me comes to my work too. And then that's why it's very difficult for me to explain really well 
what exactly I do. But uh, there's always something from past and something from me and something really contemporary, like a woman in leather with a gun might come on top of a Renaissance look-like landscape, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And how much does mathematics play a part in your work? Uh, it does a lot. Actually, I was thinking about it today. I was in the studio and I was thinking, oh, it's not, you know, I'm looking for perfection and it's never perfect. So all the lines and geometry and I always have flooring and uh, I work with circles, squares, lots of rulers in my studio campus. So I use it a lot, especially geometry uh, and geometrical patterns have a big role in all my works. Uh, and this kind of rational thinking sometimes comes into my painting. And when I see somebody like Tag, actually, I feel envy. I could never paint like that. Like, you know, it's it's just very interesting how artists are different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it plays a big role, I would say. Mm. <laughs> I mean... One question I'd like to ask you too is that obviously uh, I'm guessing that wasn't the first collaboration that you'd actually done with another artist. Um, I mean, Tag, I think you mentioned that you've done sort of work with Ty beforehand. And um, how do you find or how do you develop these collaborations? Is there something that triggers it? I mean, one of them, the 24-hour piece you were talking about was this idea that you've done something and now you wanted to increase it. Um, yeah. Is, is that something you do sort of on a regular base collaborate or is it something that's more of a one-off? No, it's a completely a one-off thing. I think, um, like, Tyg is like my brother, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we think very we think very similarly. And uh, when we did that just for half an hour, it sort of sparked something and I had to kind of explore it deeper, you know? Yeah. But I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of on my own path really you know regarding kind of like art making um i wouldn't i i, I don't think i'd seek out collaboration really you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think but it, you know if the right thing came about yeah yeah uh, i mean is that really from an area where you feel as though you, you don't have complete control over the process or is it more just the, the uniqueness of the art that you're doing anyway <laughs> Yeah, well, I just, I just, I, I like, yeah, it's not really about, it's not really about, like, I, I, I find like a lack of control quite, that's quite kind of appealing, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's more just that I'm kind of on my own kind of journey, really, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, I'd like to kind of, um, I'd like to hone those skills rather than kind of dilute it with some other thing, you know, just for, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. And Roxana? Um, well, it's um, I did some collaboration, not um, like what I did with Tag. But for example, um, the most important one was when I was in Iran, I was working as a set designer for some uh, commercial videos. And that was seriously collaboration because you have to listen to directors. Whatever he says, that's it. So I didn't have my own, I had my own taste and stuff, but at the end of the day, there was someone to control everything. And it was his movie, his video. So that was different. But in the last two years, especially after lockdown, I had some collaborative workshops. One of them was in IMA, actually, Irish Museum of Modern Art. And we were about six people 
And when you are more than two, somebody needs to leave the group. And that was me because I'm very bossy, by the way. So I'm good at it. So I think. So um, somebody had to lead these six people. So the idea and the writing and stuff and like sending them to email, get approval and all this stuff. It's interesting. I'm more into it, in, especially from 2019. And I'm interested to do more collaborative works. And at the moment, I'm working with a group of immigrant artists um, named Art Nomads. And we are nine people, actually. Uh, so we are planning to work on a kind of virtual market or bazaar. So it's complicated. But we started talking about it like four months ago. It's still not finished. So it's a long process. But interesting. Very interesting. The final question I have for both of you is sort of focuses more on identity. Uh, obviously, Tag, you're a, a native Irish person working in Ireland, but um, from what I gather, um, you've been in various places within Ireland uh, to actually work both within the artistic context and outside of the artistic context. And obviously, Roxana, I mean, uh, Iranian by birth, but then sort of from Seoul, Barcelona, Finland, and now into Ireland. Um, what do you see as your identity, if you like, and how does that focus the work that you do? Roxana, do you want to? I, I start. Um, this identity is a very interesting question. And um, I'm Iranian, you know, but um, I don't feel, I never felt, even from 2009, I moved here, I never felt. Um, you know, this thing that people say homesick or um, I don't know why, but in Korea, I had that feeling. It's, you know, it depends really. But in Ireland, I'm very lucky I should put food. Like I never felt uh, homesick or anything. And when people ask me where do you live or where is home, I say Ireland. And I was only in Dublin and I never lived anywhere else in the island. And um, um so I don't think about it too much because it naturally comes in when I work. Like I naturally deliver it. Mm. But I always think there is always something from my culture in my work, from my, I mean, Iranian culture. And there is always something Irish too because I live here and I, I listen to news. I hang out with Irish people. So it's a part of me now. And it's a long time, 2009 up to now. So uh, I feel very comfortable. I never like to hang out with Iranians or find my Iranian crowd. You know, I know some people when they um, move somewhere else, they are always looking for uh, the past and find their own community. I never had this feeling. Maybe it's strange, but... Um, that's me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously some influences that come in from the places that you've been to and the places that you're at, uh, because yeah. they're the references that you see when you look out of the window. They're the references you see as you see on the TV, the radio, etc. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I fully get that. I mean, I came here in '96, um, and so for nearly half of my life now, it's been based in an Irish context. Yet there's still distinct parts of me that are still very English, <laughs> the accent being one. So, yeah, I, I can resonate 
relate with that. But obviously, from a, a, um, if you like a reference perspective, uh, a lot of my references now are based around an Irish context. I mean, all the work we've done with the centre has been based purely within an Irish context. All the work that I did in music was based in an Irish context. Uh, and so, yes, I can, I can see where that resonates. I mean, Tag, how do you, how do you sort of see identity, obviously, from a, a native perspective? Mm. Well, well, like like I think like the tag Beckett identity is different from, you know, the 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 Sam identity. You know, like I think I'm probably quite shy maybe in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's like it, like it's something I've kind of created over the years, and it's like like I think it's like um, it's like a character nearly. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the, like the a, alter ego, if you like, in some respects. It's like a role. It's like a role that I can kind of play when I need to. You know. And then turn it off when you don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 And how much does like, Sam like influence take? <laughs> um, we, we need to be careful now thinking like that. I might, I'll drive myself bloody mad. <laughs> um, I, like I, yeah, being, being like really uh, honest about it, I, th- I think like Ty Beckett is who I want to be, you know? who I yep. see myself as and maybe Sam is who I actually really am, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think what's, what's, what's bizarre is that, um, <clears throat> that a lot of people in art and to, to do with art, uh, you know, would just think that that's my, my name and that's who I am. And that's, you know, you know what I mean? Which I think is interesting. Like, yep. I think it's, it's, it's a good, like, um, it's it's a good way of like it's like a litmus test of how I how somebody knows me is if they say oh Sam you know we're friends you know if they say if they say tag I was through art but if they say tag they don't know me at all you know (laughs) yeah 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 that's grand um well um Tag and Roxana, thank you very much indeed for your time uh, this evening and thank you very much indeed for your participation in the New Voices of Ireland series. Uh, it was great to think to end on such a high with such a, a fast-paced but um, interesting and I think thought-provoking. I think if people actually do look at it and sort of video is to realistically what's the what's the view, what's the job, what's the realisation of being an artist in why I make um, and I think the line uh, spread love like marmalade is going to stick around for a very, very long time indeed. I hope so. so. so <laughs> thank you very much indeed yeah. for your thank time. You. Uh, you thank, you. thank you. Thank you. You and Monica both. Thanks a lot. No
You're listening to CFCP's On Air, the podcast that looks at migrant and culture diverse artists and how we can effectively showcase and further develop their talents.